Well, take your Bibles tonight. Let's uh, get to the preaching of God's Word here. 2 Samuel and chapter number 5. 2 Samuel and chapter 5 and verse number 6 as we stand in honor of God's Word here tonight. We're looking when a nation needs revival, what God is doing and through the ups and downs of men like David and Joab and Abner and Ishbosheth and some names familiar to us and some maybe that aren't, you know, and we've got uh, folks here get, just getting into church. And so I want to be mindful that a lot of these stories are new. And, and by the way, I think a lot of us that have been Bible readers for a long time, we just kind of read through some of these chapters, not really slow down to understand what's going on. But when we do, then we're going to see some principles of God's word that'll help us in our spiritual life. So that's why they're recorded here for us. So we're going to look at verse number six in second uh, Samuel and chapter 5, and uh, we'll, we'll read through the end of the chapter, though we won't read it all in its entirety here. So verse number 6 says, and the king and his men. So this is talking about David now. I kind of like calling him king, don't you? Been waiting for that for a long time. And he had for sure, right? And so this is King David. And so the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites. It says he went to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem. <laughs> Think about that just a minute. Hey, Jerusalem, what a significant city that he went to Jerusalem and uh, unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David saying, except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. You get what they're saying right there? We're so well fortified. We're just going to let the blind and the lame take care of you all. Talking a little smack. Does that help anybody? That's what they're doing. I don't, I don't know how else to say it in modern terms. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're saying, we're just going to let the blind and the lame take care of you all. And so David's going to say, all right, well, we'll take out your blind and your lame. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So <laughs> maybe I said it with too much of an attitude. I'm not sure, but let's just keep reading. Let me just read. Let me just read the Bible, Jason. Just read the Bible. Thinking David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind. See, I didn't make that up, did I? It's in there. And the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul. He shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Unless you think David's like um, uncaring towards the lame or the blind, he's going to take Mephibosheth into his home and he was a lame man. So don't, don't misunderstand what's going on there. Okay. All right. Verse six, nine. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord of hosts was with him. Verse 11, and Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David in house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom, watch this, for his people Israel's sake. Not for his own name's sake, but for his people Israel's sake. Verse 13 is troubling, I'll be honest. He took uh, he took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David 
And these be the names of those that were born to him in Jerusalem. And so it lists those that were born. In fact, among them is, is Solomon. All right, verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley, in the valley of Rephidim. Rephaim, rather. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said to David, Go, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images. Talking about the Philistines. They were in such a hurry to get out of there, they left their gods behind. Oops. <laughs> Aren't you glad you serve a God that you didn't leave back at the house? <laughs> you left behind. <laughs> so that's what happened there. They left their images and David and his men burnt them. Well, I'm glad I serve a God that can't be burned and destroyed. All right, watch this, verse 22. And the Philistines came up, what does it say? Yet again, yet again, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, the Lord said, thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. So come in behind them. And let it be, watch this, when thou hearest the sound of a going, the word going there means marching. When you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. <laughs> What's going on with that? Oh, man. All right. When you hear a, a going, when you hear a marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou comest to Gezer. So several scenes here, and I realize we could slow it down and just do scene by scene, but uh, a little bit slower, but I, I think it's, it's a picture. It's, it's kind of a collage, as one individual called it. And, and it would be this, a, a picture of how David was advancing in God's will. So I'd like to preach that tonight, advancing in the will of God. Is your life a picture of godly progress? Is your life a picture of godly progress? So may God bless the reading of his word. Thank you for standing. I believe we all enjoy seeing progress. I just reflecting back, uh, I don't want to uh, grow weary of this or just kind of used to it. Thank God for the beautiful auditorium that we're in. And, um, you know, not that it wasn't before, but it just needed updating. And, and so I enjoyed coming in here week by week when it was under renovation and seeing the progress and, and uh, things changing. And, and so anyways, that was a real enjoyment. I enjoy watching a building go up or a house go up or, or progress being made. I, I'm enjoying some of the progress being made right here in our city on the roads and how much more smooth they are. Come on now, we, we can rejoice in some progress uh, being made there. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's a little bit of uh, inconvenience at times, but it's progress that's being made. And, 
and in resurfacing. Even right out here, I you know wasn't too much of a fan about the oh the sidewalk coming in, you know, because I thought well you can just walk on the road that's right here beside it. But anyways, it's nice, I, I think, and so it's not done. But there it is. Progress. Progress being made. Maybe uh, somebody says, hey, you've been losing weight, haven't you? Well, at least that's better than saying, man, you've been gaining some weight, haven't you? Huh? All right. So anyways, progress. You know, if you've been trying to lose weight and, and you're able to say, yeah, you know, actually I've dropped like 20 pounds or five pounds or whatever it is, progress. We like to see that progress. Um, I haven't had anybody say, you know, you've been working out, haven't you? Yep. I hadn't. Whether it's a team, you know, that's starting to come together or, or a company that's beginning to, to really grow and make some advancement. Maybe you're part of a, of a company that is in that, in that state of growth. Man, that's exciting. That's really what we're looking at here is some growth and some advancement and some positive things. Maybe it's a family that's growing or a church that's growing. And, and thank the Lord, some progress being made in your individual life. Some growth, some advancement. And uh, so as we come here to uh, this chapter in 2 Samuel, that's really what is going on is that you see some progress being made, which is really encouraging um, given where Israel has been and the confusion that had been there. And so, uh, you know, God is able to bring progress to those that have had a lot of ups and downs. You know, David, didn't he? I, we're going to focus on David here tonight. He had a lot of ups and downs. Sometimes he was doing great. Other times he was doing really low. Hello? Anybody else kind of fit that category and have a lot of ups and downs in your, in your spiritual life? And, and, um, and so those individuals, I was just thinking about who needs to see some advancement here tonight? Well, I think we're all honest and we'd all would agree that I need, I want to advance and I want to see some progress being made and, uh, because people are counting on you. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know anybody counting on me. Hey, listen, uh, your life touches other lives. And David's life here was going to touch other lives. And so it needed to be that there would be progress made. How about this? Those that are in a tense family situation. You know, I mean, thinking about, you know, some of what we've been through here and, and uh, unity was needed between Israel or within Israel. And, and it was... Uh, Israel to the north and Judah to the south and David was the king of Judah and Ishmosheth was the king uh, to the north and there was Abner and there was Joab and there was fifth rib treatment going on. Man, they needed some unity. Uh, Brother Landy, I hope I don't embarrass his boys, but uh, they watched our, our Sunday night service is kind of their Sunday night service. And so they watch it, you know, our missionaries there and, and the boys are watching. They are, uh, uh, the younger ones are making uh, Lego figures out of, uh, into like David and Abner and Joab and different ones as they hear the messages. And then they have some fifth rib treatment going on between those Lego <laughs> characters and but John said he's trying to make sure they're getting more out of it than just the blood and the guts, you know, of the services. So anyways, but I, I love it. I love it. And then at the end of his text, he said, boys, that's just how it is, right? So, I mean, that's what's been going on. So obviously the kingdom was at a place where it really needed, it really needed to make some progress without everybody stabbing everybody. I mean, that would be progress right there alone. So... 
Uh, maybe it's a family situation. Maybe you're in a tense family situation and, and, and you need to make some progress, but, but there's been a lot of, you know, backstabbing going on or some other hurtful things said, hurtful things done, and you really need some progress. How do you get there? Or maybe you're in a new leadership role. I'm just trying to think about it. Since you're not going to take a city called Jebus, Right. That's not what you're called to do, but maybe you're a new dad or you're a new mom or you're a new husband and, and you're in a new family situation and maybe it's a blended family situation. Can you see some progress made there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you can see some progress and some development there. And, uh, but those that are facing constant opposition, I mean, that's just gonna be a, a part of it. And, and how about this? Maybe tonight you feel like, man, I've lost so much ground. It's like I've taken two steps forward, but I've taken four or five steps backwards. Hey, listen, you know, I think everybody in here could identify with what maybe you've experienced there. At different times in our Christian life, if we're all honest, there's been some times, some really low moments, but thank God that God can get you through those times. He can bring you through it. And, and so there's been some really low moments in David's life. But, but here, I mean, this is some high ground right here. And yes, he had lost some ground. And yes, Israel had literally lost ground to the Philistines. But now there's going to be some progress that is, that is made here. And, and certainly, uh, we could say that there needs to be some advancement or progress in, in, uh, in really all of our lives. But just because of this, there's just a lot to do. You say, what, what do you mean there's a lot to do? Well, he's, the Lord has given us the great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature, and we're not done yet. I look back here, and I see missionaries that are scattered around, and, and uh, the Scuffums, uh, I think, are here tonight going to Cambodia. They're going to be in our missions conference coming up. That's a real blessing to see them. Well, there's a lot of work to be done, Brother Joel, and in Cambodia, and there's a lot of work to be done in these various parts of our world. Hey, listen, we're not done yet, but thank God we're seeing some saved. We're seeing some missionaries sent to the mission field and we're seeing churches sending missionaries that we can support. Thank, I, I think every now and then in church, it's okay just to be a little bit positive about things. You know, I know there's a lot of preaching that goes on here and you know, just that we need, we need to be corrected and such, but thank God there's some good things going on. Hey, there was five souls saved today, if I'm remembering the t numbers right. Uh, some young people, some new bus riders here just within the last, um, last couple of weeks or so, we, we've seen, as a, not even counting today, but we've seen 60 new riders coming in. Man, that's fantastic. That's positive things and, and routes that are up and running like 28 and 29 and 30 and 40 and, and just getting strong and Sunday school classes being strengthened. Hey, there's some good things going on in God's work. Absolutely. Uh, knocking doors. Yesterday I was driving a bus and, and um, didn't hurt anybody. That's a positive thing. I'm just trying to count all the blessings right here, okay? So, and I remember everybody that we dropped off, we got them back. So that was good. You know, I, I nearly forgot to, but anyways, they would have... It was close enough to the church they could have walked if they had to, but we went back and got them. And so that was a blessing, but we're, we're going out right now with five buses, five, five buses full of, of those that are knocking doors on Saturday morning and four buses on, on Tuesday night. And, and that doesn't even count people that are out knocking doors for bus ministry and other, other routes. Hey, there's some good things going on. Some progress being made. We had a good number out for the late night men's prayer meeting. In my soul, we heard some preaching that night as Brother Cox talked to us and just reminded us, listen, all of us are just little children. 
We're his little children and he wants to hear us say, I love you. And he wants to hear us be honest with him. And he wants to hear us say, I need your help and I need your guidance. And, and Brother Carl reminded us that we just need to come back every now and then just say, thank you, God, for all that you've done. I'm just simply saying tonight, there's some, there's some things that we can be thankful for right here at Southwest Baptist Church. Some people that are back in church, that are out of church. And we got a lot of new people that are coming and, and families that are joining, people being baptized. Hey, why not just go ahead and just be glad about it? Right. Anyways, that was fun. Didn't really plan on that, but that was a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so what in the world do we have here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5? I think it is, as I've already mentioned, it's almost like, okay, look, look at this report. Look at this report on David. By the way, it wasn't even really a report on David because if it were just a report on David, it would have been a mess. But it was what God was doing in the life of David while he was cooperating with God. So you see this scene here and you see how that they took the city of, of, of Jebus the, that was owned by the Jebusites in Jerusalem and then you see this scene and you see this scene and then you see this scene and you see this and that's a head scratcher and you see this and there's some progress being made. All these things are going on. And so what, what we really need to get down to is, okay, if the text, if the author is presenting this as positive things, advancement that is being made in the, in the kingdom, and we ourselves need advancement, then the natural question would be this, okay, how do we do that? How did God bring David to this place? How did he bring Israel to this place? And, and if you need to make some progress tonight, what does that look like in your life? So let's just start right there where the text started and talk about the Jebusites and what's going on with them. And, and we'll see uh, why that is so, so, so significant that they were able to take the city of Jerusalem. I mean, ju just that alone is a big deal. I mean, this is, this is altering the course of human history. When you think about Jerusalem becoming the city of David, and my soul to this day, what a, what a contested piece of real estate. And I, it made me think about as David was coming in and, and the way that they took the city, it made me remember even the six-day war. And I think it was day three, how that Moshe's uh, uh, Dion was, uh, was coming into the city and, and they, said, they said with great joy, we now have taken the Temple Mount. Well, you got to think about how significant that is for the Jews to get the Temple Mount back. My soul, what a blessing. Well, this, is, this was the original capture of the Temple Mount, the Jebusites. Okay, now you need to know a little bit about the Jebusites. So the Jebusites are mentioned, listen to this, Genesis 15, verses 18 through 21. God promised Abraham, listen, let me just read it. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Remember that, that unilateral covenant that God made with Abraham? Unilateral meaning is this. Abraham, this is covenant is dependent on me. It's not dependent on you. Abraham did not pass through those. The word covenant literally means to cut. And so they would part these animals, cut them in half. And two people entering into that covenant would walk through those animals and say, if I don't come through on my end of this, then may this happen to me. Well, Abraham didn't pass through those animal parts. Only God did symbolically, symbolizing this. Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you that I will make sure that it happens because that's not going to happen to God. 
So way back then, I'm, I'm talking to you here about Genesis chapter 15. Way back then, God said to Abraham, Abraham, unto thy seed have I given this land, listen to this, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. God says that's going to be your land. And the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and, and the Jebusites. The Jebusites. Way back, God promised that land is going to be your land, and he said that to Abraham. He confirmed the same promise uh, in the days of Moses, 430 years later, as he says, I am come down to deliver thee out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land and to bring them into a good land, a large land that floweth with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Persicites, those guys, the Hivites, and, and the Jebusites. God said then, I'm going to give the Jebusites to your land. The spies went in and they saw the land and they saw the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Jebusites and that they dwell in the mountains. And they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Instead of going forward with God's plan, they backed away from God's plan and spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. God didn't forget his promise. <laughs> God didn't forget his promise. And so then you have it repeated in Deuteronomy chapter number seven. And as Moses is, is leading and, and preparing the people to go in and do even what he's not going to be able to do. It says, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and Girgashites and Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Seven nations greater and mightier than thou. Well, in Joshua's day, Joshua 15, 63, it says, for the Jebusites inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. This is in the days of Joshua. They could not drive them out. And then it says that, that this land of, of Jerusalem, this city of Jerusalem was in the inheritance of Benjamin and the children of Benjamin could not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. And then a sad compromise is made. Is everybody still following me right here? A sad compromise is made in this sense that it says, and the children of Israel, listen to this, dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. They dwelt among them. They lived among them. They got, they got used to living out of God's will. But God did not get used to his people living out of his will. And even though this is an 800-year-old promise of God, it is an old promise, it is a opposed promise, but it is nonetheless a true promise. And so here it is, roughly 800 years later, God through David is being true to his word. Amen. Amen. Can you understand what's going on here? David is taking God at his word that goes all the way back to Abraham. Confirmed through Moses, confirmed through Joshua. And even though the people of God had, had failures, David said, it's time. It's time to make some advancement here. And it was the perfect place. Now, I don't know. I don't know all that David understood at this point in time. I don't know if he reflected on what God said to all those individuals. But nonetheless, even if David did not, God did. 
And God knew what he was doing in the life of David. And David needed a strategic location. And this was the best location because if he had taken the city of Mahanaim, that was the, the, the city of Ishbosheth, then that really wouldn't have set well with the people of Judah. And if he had kept the city of Hebron, then that really wouldn't have set well with the people of Israel. So he needed something kind of right in the middle. And so right in the middle of that, not in the land of Judah, but actually in the land of Benjamin, which was the tribe of Saul, then David said, it's time to take the city of Jerusalem. And so he came to that city and the Jebusites said, we're going to put in our B team on this one. We're going, to put in, we're going to put in those that can't even see. We're going to put in those that can't hardly even move. In other words, they're saying this, we're not even worried at all about you getting in here and taking this city. Until they did. Because David said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take him at the gutter. Okay, now there's, there's talk about what the gutter is. Probably it is a water channel, kind of a secret water channel that had this deep uh, ravine that went down deep. And I think it's called Warren's Tunnel now is, is, is the terminology that's used. But, but what could happen, the Jebusites were so well fortified because, because Jerusalem is on a rocky hill that is protected by three valleys uh, on three sides. The only vulnerable spot is to the north. And so they had this natural protection all around them. And even if, they were, even if they were surrounded, there was a water source that they could go down in and it was like a secret cavern that they could go and get water that was, could sustain them. And David said this, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna surprise attack them and we're gonna go up that water source and we're gonna come into the city and whoever does this first becomes the captain. And there goes Joab. I don't know if he like spider climbed up. I don't know how it was exactly, but it was a, a tough climb. Hey, listen, it was not something easy. God has not called us to do the easy. God has not called you to do the easy. God has called you to do the difficult. God has called you to live a godly life in an ungodly society. God has called you to raise a godly family in an ungodly world. God has called you to have a godly marriage in a time that is devaluing marriage. God has called you to be a good, faithful soul winner and church member in a time when people are just kind of casually going about their Christianity. God has not called us to do the easy. God has called us to get to the unreached people groups that live right here among us. God has called us to reach the people that are down and out. God has called us to go to places that other people don't really want to go. But God can go there and we can rely on the promises of God that yes, they may be old, but they're still true. Amen. That's how you make progress right there. I said, that's how you make progress. You get back to what God said and you act on it. That's it. You get back to what God said and you act on it. And God gave them the victory. And David said, all right, let's go, gentlemen, and go ahead and take out the blind and the lame. I think he's been a little bit sarcastic there. Some sanctified sarcasm, all right? You want to take, you want to put your blind and lame against us? Go ahead, put them up. We're taking them out. Okay, I probably had a little bit too much of an attitude right there. I don't know, but I'm trying to catch the sense of what he's saying there. And he, he's saying, okay, if that's how it's going to be, then that's how it's going to be. And God gave him the city. And it became the city of David. Mount Zion. <laughs> God gave them a victory right there because David was listening to God and obeying God and that victory is impacting our lives to this very day. He didn't, he didn't make the capital a city that they already had. He made the capital a city that they didn't have and they made progress. And then Hiram gets involved. 
Hiram, I mean, this is all significant because Hiram is king of Tyre there and he's going to send masons and he's going to send carpenters. He's going to send wood and timber and stone and and eventually it's going to be Hiram that's going to help Solomon build the temple. And he built David a house. These are some good days. And then the text presents it in a positive fashion in the sense that David's family was growing, but it also, I believe, has the tone of ominous because David took to himself more wives. That's all he needed. One. And instead of just reading Genesis 15, about taking the Jebusites, he should have reread Deuteronomy 17, 17, that thou shalt not multiply wives unto thyself. That's what the word of God said. Isn't it ironic that even in the midst of making progress, we botch things up? You know what this shows us? It's not just all dependent on man. God's going to work out his will, even though we make messes. And where we make messes, God can still make masterpieces. This is not the condoning of of polygamy. This is the reporting of polygamy. In fact, if anything, if you're thinking right, you'd say, you know, some of these, some of these sons here like Ammon and, and, and Adonijah and others that are mentioned in the text, they really caused a lot of problems and they would not have caused a lot of problems had he not multiplied a bunch of wives to himself. No, I I just think I need to clear off a spot right here to say this. David, while even David was, yes, a man after his own heart, I'm just simply saying to you, he's off right here. And listen, he's looking at culture because culture was okay with this. In fact, it was a cultural, let me see if I can say this, a cultural status symbol that a man that's a king would have a bunch of wives. And it kind of would give him a little bit of a political Um, security, having the wife of this king because that king's not going to attack him as long as he married his daughter. But it's still wrong. And we cannot take our cues from culture and society for what they deem to be success, whether we're talking about an individual life, finances, church, family, marriage, life in general. We can't take our cues from society as to what it's going to look like. We got to get back to God's word right there. Yeah, he had a bunch of kids. It seems to speak of his strength, but he also had a bunch of wives. That speaks of his folly. I thought we were going to be all positive tonight. Can't. can't. This is not good. Okay, so then what happens? Well, then the Philistines get word that David is now king over the whole realm of Israel, not just Judah. Hey, hey, they didn't mess with him while he was king of Judah for seven years, seven and a half years. We have no record that they were attacking David, probably because The Philistines figured he's kind of like almost a vassal to us, or at least he's doing this. At least he's a common enemy against Mishmosheth. And so, but now when David is full leader of this, 
then the enemy attacks. And when David steps up to that role of being all the leader of whole Israel, then he faces opposition. I'm just pointing that out because the enemy is going to attack when he sees that you are making advancement. I guarantee you Satan's not glad that we're seeing kids saved. Not thankful. He's not glad about what's going on in the jail and prison ministries. Not thankful for the souls that are walking through those doors. Not thankful to see some coming back even on a Sunday night. No, no, no. I, I, Brother Brian often emphasizes in the sixth grade, Brother Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but growth is when you either start something or you stop something. Is that right, Brother Brian? You either start something that you ought to be doing or you stop something that you ought not be doing. That's growth. So then the enemy of God sees some people that once were under his dominion coming in here and they stop doing some of what they ought not do and now they're picking up the word of God and they're beginning to pray and they're attending church. Hey, listen, you got an enemy that's gonna oppose that. And when you as a man start to lead your family, he's gonna oppose you. If you're a single mom, he's going to oppose you. He's opposing this church. He would oppose the Sunday school teachers and the bus workers. Hey, listen, we've got a real enemy that wants to attack. But David didn't cower. David didn't run. David didn't hide. David prayed and said, God, what do you want me to do? They were in Rephaim, which was just about a mile. Some said three to four miles. Some said a mile. I don't know which it was. But anyways, it was really close to Jerusalem in the city of David where he lived. And he knew that they were about to attack. So he prayed to God, God, what would you want me to do? And God said, go and I'll give you the victory. And David went and God gave him the victory. And they were so scared, hightailing it out of there, that they left their gods behind. Should have at least had them in their backpack. <laughs> Left their gods behind. They piled them up, burn them. But the enemy doesn't give up easily. When you're making progress, the enemy doesn't give up easily. By the way, on that, on that God note, I like what Dale Davis said. He said, I, he said I'm glad that we don't have some namby-pamby God, godlets that can be captured or left behind. No, we serve the God of all creation that goes with us every step of the way and will never leave us nor forsake us. The enemy doesn't like to see you making progress. And so as you make progress, you better get ready. He's going to come again. And when he comes again, don't you, don't you assume that you'll do what you did the last time. I like what David did. He prayed again, God, what do you want me to do? And God said this time, don't, don't attack him. This time, you set an ambushment in behind them, like a, a compass, that, and come in behind them, and you wait. You wait until you hear a marching. A marching sound, as, as many soldiers marching through, as you hear a marching sound in the top of the mulberry trees, you say, I wonder what in the world that was. Was it wind that was coming? No, friend, listen. I think because it says a going in the, in the top of the mulberry trees, it was the army of the Lord that was marching in ahead of David and that was going to take them on. Hey, listen, Israel, when they wanted Saul, they wanted a king that would go out before them and fight their battles. But now Israel, under the leadership of a godly man named David, knew that it wasn't just a man that needed to be out there in front of them, but God needed to be out there ahead of them, leading the way. And so God said, David, you just wait. And then when I go ahead of you, you bestir yourself. 
<laughs> Which means literally is you be sharp, you be ready, you get ready to jump up and go after him. And that he did, friend, and chased him about 30, 20 to 30 miles. That's advancement. How did he get there? How did they make such progress? It's really simple. He listened to God and he did what God said. That's it. When you boil it all down, he took the city of Jebus and was victorious because he listened to God and that's what God told him to do. And he had Hiram to help him because he was listening to God and God told him what to do and he was doing it. Now, in the matter of the wives, he got off track. We've already said that. We've already, do, do I need to preach that again? It was fun to preach the first time. I could preach it again the second time, but I think you get the idea that when you don't listen to God and you disobey God, you plant the seed of your own destruction. But when the Philistines attacked, he asked God what to do. He listened to God and God told him what to do and God gave him the victory. He did it. And when they attacked again, God said, I want you to wait this time. He listened to God and God told him what to do and God gave him the victory as he did it. So the key to making progress in your spiritual life is to learn to listen to and obey the voice of God. So what does that look like in your life? Well, it may be that some of you are reading your Bible now and you weren't before. That's progress. You know what you're doing right there? You're listening to God and doing what God said to do. Some have, have been saved and follow the Lord in baptism. You listen to what God said and you did what God said to do and that's progress. Some have heard God saying you need a church home and you need a church that's gonna try to explain the Bible and you need to be a part of a church that's trying to fulfill the great commission and not a, not a church that's trying to be entertained. No, you need to be a church that's gonna try to get out there and just get back to the old book, what God said to do. It'll still work. It'll still work. We don't have to come up with some new strategy. No, we just need to go back to what's old and what's been opposed and it's still true. You listen to the voice of God and you join the church and now you're getting involved. Just listen to God and, and do what God says you to do. You, you went back to what God said about a husband is and learn what it means to love a wife and, and that's not gonna come natural to you because love is natural to her. She's loving and you're not naturally. Hello, did this go off or you still, I'm, I'm, I didn't know if it like lost or something. No, you get back to what God said to do about what a husband ought to do or what a wife ought to do and showing reverence to her husband and, and those things. And it, and it still works. It's, yes, it's old and yes, it's opposed, but it's still true. And young people, you get back to what God said about a young person, how you ought to remember now the days, your creator in the days of your youth while the evil days come now. You know what that means? That means you ought to, you ought to enjoy life while you can. But don't forget God. Don't live without God. Don't do what you just want to do. No, you listen to God. Get a heart for God. Spend some time with God. Seek God's face as a young man. Seek God's face as a young lady. Seek God's face as young parents. Hey, get along with God. Hear the voice of God and God will lead you to victory. You say, man, I've been, I've been defeated by this vice and that vice and, and God's, I, I've been defeated over this and that. Here's what you need to do. Just get in the book and let God help you. Just get in the book and let God help you. And you listen to what God says to do. And you don't do what he says don't do. And you do what he tells you to do. And you'll see some advancement right there. And your family will be together. And no more fifth ribbon. Amen. Some unity. Not taking a stab at anybody. And you might even start enjoying church again. If you start listening to the voice of God. And obeying what God says to do. 
then he gives us advancement. We see souls saved. We see people edified. We see people discipled. And we see lives changed because God gets the glory for it. And we dare not do our own thing when he's speaking to us. It's really simple, isn't it? Man, thank God for the simplicity of his word that you can see advancement and growth. If you won't listen to the voices that are around you, that are naysayers, but you listen to what the word of God says and you go with it. And God will advance you and help you grow. So Father, we thank you tonight. What a blessing to see some incredible things going on in Israel that have a long time impact. It makes me thankful for people of Southwest Baptist Church who for many years have been faithful in listening to you and doing what your word has said. And we're still reaping the benefits even of that. God, I pray that you'd help us here tonight in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.